The San Francisco 49ers are going to be on the road traveling to face the New York Jets. Now, last week, the 49ers lost a really tight game to the Arizona Cardinals, 24-20. And New York Jets lost to the Buffalo Bills, 27-17, in a game that was more one-sided than what the final score indicates. And for the 49ers, if you're a 49er fan, you're trying to figure out what the heck happened last week against Arizona. And you're still trying to figure out how did you lose that game because, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo played really good in my opinion considering the fact that the 49ers wide receiving core has pretty much been the biggest question mark heading into the season. But I feel like he played really well. And also, they were able to run the football pretty effectively also. It's just the fact that they didn't have you know, all that much rushing yards in the stat sheet because they didn't really have to run the football because they were having so much success throwing the football in this Arizona Cardinals secondary. So I think a big reason why they lost was because of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. And I mean, Kyler Murray was just really dynamic in that game. I mean, when Kyler Murray got out the pocket, the 49ers had no answer for him. And then they didn't have no answer for DeAndre Hopkins. Now, a good thing is that going into this week, you don't have to worry about that because the New York Jets don't really have any major threats at the wide receiver position besides Jamison Crowder. And you don't really have to worry about dealing with a quarterback that's going to be killing you with his legs and Sam Donald, who doesn't possess the athleticism that Kyler Murray possesses. And for the New York Jets, you're down another playmaker because Le'Veon Bell is going to be missing a couple of weeks. So, I mean, for the New York Jets, man, uh, Buffalo really put the smack down on you. And I mean, it looked like that game was going to get ugly really quick because it was 21-0. I thought Buffalo might have went ahead and hanged 50 on you. But New York was able to put up a little bit of a fight later on in the game, in the second half of the game, and they were able to put 17 points on the board. But in all honesty, even if you're a New York Jets fan, you have to admit the game seemed to be more one-sided than what the final score indicates. And, I mean, you don't have an easy task this week going against a really good 49ers team that's looking for some payback after losing to the Arizona Cardinals. So, I mean, for the New York Jets, uh, your wide receiver core still isn't great. I still stand by that. Now it's pretty apparent last week because your wide receivers, like I said last week, I didn't think your wide receivers were going to be able to create that much separation against that Buffalo Bills secondary. And what happened? The wide receiver core really struggled. And you're facing the a, a 49ers secondary that is pretty good. Although they did get carved up by DeAndre Hopkins last week, you don't have DeAndre Hopkins on your team and you don't have a Kyler Murray on your team. So, I mean... You have to rely on your offensive line to be able to protect Sam Darnold. And I don't really think they're going to be able to do that with how good this 49ers defensive line is. So, I mean, if you're the New York Jets, how do you win this game? Well, the first thing is for the one thing for sure is that you have to play tight coverage on these San Francisco 49ers wide receivers because you cannot allow Jimmy Garoppolo all day to sit back and throw the football. Like, made Jimmy Garoppolo work for every pass that he has to throw, basically. Because if you give him all day to throw, he's going to call you up. Just like how he did this Arizona Cardinals secondary last week. And then also, you have to be able to run the football. Now, Frank Gore is going to probably be starting in this game for Le'Veon Bell. Now, Frank Gore, although he is up there in age, he's still able to have some productive games and some productive performances like Adrian Peterson. 
So, I mean, Frank Gore is no slouch. If you're a 49ers fan, you're like, oh, man, they got Frank Gore at halfback. Like, Frank Gore is no slouch. I know he may seem like he's 90 years old, but Frank Gore is still pretty good, in my opinion. So, I mean, if you're the New York Jays, you need to find a way to run the football and only throw the football when need be. Because, listen, last week you didn't have a lot of success throwing the football on that Buffalo Bills secondary, and you're pretty much not going to have a lot of success this week if you have to try to throw the football to win the game. So, I mean, the team that I'm taking to win this game should be no surprise to anybody. I'm taking the 49ers to win this game. And, I mean, for the New York Jets, this is a must-win for the New York Jets. And I hate saying that teams are in must-win situations this early on in the NFL season because it's only week two. But, I mean, if the New York Jets lose this game, I mean, you're going to put yourself in the big hole because you're going to be 0-2, then the question marks concerning Adam Gates are going to pop up again. It's probably going to be some locker room rumors popping up. Like, I think this is a really must-win game for the New York Jets. The Jets have to win this game. And, I mean, this is a really tough game because you're facing one of the best teams in the NFL and the 49ers. And the 49ers don't really have any significant weaknesses at all, really. So, I mean, if you're the New York Jets, man, this is going to be a really tough game for you. I don't really know what you can really do possibly i mean you hope that denzel Mims comes and plays in this game maybe if he plays he can have a little bit of an impact but i mean your wide receiver position isn't all that great aside from jameson crowder you don't really have anybody then you have tight end chris herndon who pretty much is your second best option in the passing game so i mean you only have only two reliable options and i mean i don't know if this off the line is going to be able to protect sam Darnold from this San Francisco 49ers pass rush. So, I mean, my final score prediction in this game, I think the 49ers win this one pretty convincing. I think the 49ers win this thing 38-14 to 14 is my final score prediction in this game. And, like, listen, the New York Jets are not good, man. Like, last week I said, in that game versus the Buffalo Bills, we were going to find out a lot about the New York Jets. We were going to find out just how bad the New York Jets actually are. And we found out that the New York Jets actually are as bad as we thought they were heading into the season. And, I mean, I guess the rumors about what they said, what happened in training camp with the first-team offense getting outperformed by the second-team offense kind of looked true because they struggled to move the ball down the field on that Buffalo Bills defense. And if you struggle to move the ball on Buffalo's defense, you're definitely going to struggle moving the ball on the 49ers' defense. So, I mean... If you're the New York Jets, your only chance in this game is to probably try to run the football and commit to running the football and only throwing the football when need be. Because if you get down early and you have to throw your way to victory, you're not going to have a lot of success. One, because you're going to be facing a really great pass rush with the guys they have, with Bosa and everybody else, Arik Armstead, and then... You also have to throw the football in a pretty solid secondary. And you don't have a guy like a DeAndre Hopkins to take advantage of that 49ers secondary like Arizona was last week. And Sam Donald had, doesn't have the kind of athleticism that Kyler Murray possesses. So, I mean, if you're the New York Jets, man, you may be in for another snoozer if you're a New York Jets fan, man. Because this game may get ugly, and it may get ugly really fast, and it may get ugly really quick, fast, in a hurry. Because, I listen, like I said... You struggle to move the ball on uh, Buffalo. So, I mean, if you struggle to move the ball on Buffalo's defense, you're probably you're pretty much going to struggle to move the ball on the San Francisco 49ers defense. So, I mean, if you're the New York Jets, man, like this game 
you don't really have all that much of a chance just being honest. Like, every team in the NFL has a chance to win the game any given Sunday. But, I mean, your margin of victory in this game is slim to none. I mean, you have to play a perfect game of football. No turnovers, no interceptions. The defense has to play lights out. Everything has to go in your favor if you're a New York Jets fan, if you want to win this game. The Miami Dolphins are going to be at home facing the Buffalo Bills. Now, the Buffalo Bills defeated the New York Jets last week, 27-17. And it seems like the Buffalo Bills kind of took their foot off the pedal in the second half of that game because it seemed like they could have put up 50 points on the New York Jets if they wanted to. And the Miami Dolphins lost to the New England Patriots 21-11. Now, for the Miami Dolphins, I feel like their defense played pretty good in that game but the offense just couldn't really get anything going like Ryan Fitzpatrick his magic seemed like it ran out because he had three interceptions and the Dolphins really couldn't do anything on offense and going into this game Devontae Parker we don't even know if he's going to play in this game which is going to be a really big loss if he doesn't because the Miami Dolphins are kind of already thin at their wide receiver position other than Jakeem Grant and Preston Williams, those are pretty much going to be their other two wide receivers that they're going to have if Devontae Parker doesn't participate in this game. So, I mean, for the Dolphins, going into this game, I want to see just how long is it going to be until we see Tua. We may see Tua appear in this game if Ron Fitzpatrick puts up another dud because last week against New England, I just don't really know what happened because last year he was really good, but it seemed like his magic is kind of running out. And like I, I say this every year about Ron Fitzpatrick, like Ron Fitzpatrick isn't a long-term solution at the quarterback position. Like he is a guy who can give you a couple of good games, but I mean, eventually his magic is going to run out. So, I mean, in this game, I'm going to be keeping close tabs on Ron Fitzpatrick and his performance because depending on how he performs in this game, we may see Tua a lot earlier than what we expected to see Tua. So, when you look at the Dolphins, their defense, I feel like their defense played really well, in my opinion. I mean, although Cam Newton was a little bit efficient running the football and throwing the football, for the most part, the Dolphins' defense was a big reason why that game was as competitive as it was until the New England Patriots were able to break away in the fourth quarter. Now, for the Buffalo Bills, I mean, you pretty much bullied and put the beats on the New York Jets last week. Like, the Jets couldn't do anything. They couldn't move the football until late in the fourth quarter. Well, I guess Buffalo just said, you know what, I feel bad that we're putting the beat down on the New York Jets. And we just want to make them look good for just a little bit. Because it seems like that's what happened. Because Buffalo, if they really wanted to, in my opinion, I feel like they could have put 50 or 60 points up on New York Jets with how bad the New York Jets played last week. And Josh Allen, I mean, he was really impressive last week. Throwing the football to John Brown and Stephon Diggs. I was really impressed with what I saw out of Josh Allen. Well, now this week, he's going to have a pretty good test in front of him because the Miami Dolphins have a way better defense than what Josh Allen was facing last week with the New York Jets. I mean, you have a really good secondary with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard at quarterback. They have a really good group of linebackers. The defensive line is pretty good. So I think the Buffalo Bills could face a tougher challenge this week than they faced last week. Because the New York Jets, I mean, they suck. That That's just me being nice. It's a lot of words I could use to describe the New York Jets, but I'm just trying to be nice and just saying that they suck. Now, for the Buffalo Bills, the run game was also there as well. So, I mean, Buffalo facing this Miami Dolphins defense, 
it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Because the Dolphins, like I said, their defense is really good. I think the Dolphins could have a top 10 defense this year. And the Buffalo Bills offense, they faced a pretty lackluster New York Jets defense. So how are they going to perform against a better defense this week than they faced last week? And also this Buffalo Bills defense going against this Miami Dolphins offense. I mean, like I said, the Buffalo Bills have a really good defense. They have one of the best secondaries in the NFL, and you're facing a Miami Dolphins offense that right now, they could be potentially without their best wide receiver in Devontae Parker. You're looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick. He had a pretty awful showing last week. He threw three interceptions. And I mean, if he struggled against the New England Patriots secondary, he pretty much could struggle against the Buffalo Bills secondary, which is just as good as the Patriots secondary. On top of that, the Miami Dolphins still don't really have all that much of a running game also. So, I mean, you're looking at the Miami Dolphins offense that still, like last year, is one-dimensional. They can't run the football. And, I mean, if they got to throw the football to win this game, it's going to be another really bad performance on offense for the Miami Dolphins because I think this Buffalo Bills secondary could also shut down this Miami Dolphins passing attack if Devontae Parker doesn't play in this game. So, I got to take Buffalo to win this game. I think Buffalo should win this game 20-28 to 14 is going to be my final score prediction in this game like i think this game may be a little bit more competitive than what buffalo had to face last week because the new york jets are just a complete dumpster fire right now but i think miami's defense should keep them in this game for at least until the third quarter and then late in the third quarter is where buffalo should start to pull away because i think buffalo bills fans are kind of underrating this Miami Dolphins defense, like a lot of people are just saying that, oh, the New England Patriots beat the Dolphins. The Dolphins aren't nobody. Like, don't sleep on the Dolphins. Like, the Dolphins' offense may be terrible, but this defense, I'm trying to tell you guys, is really good. So if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, like, I think you could get a really good test in this game offensively in terms of going against this Miami Dolphins defense. So, I mean, I got to take Buffalo to win this game. Buffalo destroyed the New York Jets. They basically pushed around and bullied the New York Jets for a complete 45 to 60 minutes of that game. I mean, I had to turn the game off because it really wasn't nothing to watch in that game other than seeing the Buffalo Bills just impose their will on the New York Jets. So, I mean, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, I think this is going to be a good game to test where Josh Allen is in terms of his development because I don't really think Josh Allen got all that much of a test last week against the New York Jets because they suck. So, I mean, I want to see what he does against this Miami Dolphins defense, which is more improved and better than what you had to face last week. And also going into this game for the Miami Dolphins is going to be, can you win this game? Can you keep this game close? Like, if the Dolphins want to win this game, I think they're going to have to get a little bit more out of the running game than they got last week because their running game wasn't all that great last week. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, is he going to be able to bounce back from a terrible performance against the New England Patriots? Because, I mean, he couldn't do anything right last week. And the wide receiver core for the Miami Dolphins is already thin. We don't know if Devontae Parker is going to participate or not. He's limited as of right now in practice. So, I mean, we don't really know. But, I mean, if he doesn't play, then I think that's going to be another major blow to this Miami Dolphins offense. So, I mean, I got to take Buffalo win this game 28-14. to 14. Like I said earlier, I don't really think Miami's offense is going to be able to do anything. And I think we may see Tua play in this game, depending on how bad Ryan Fitzpatrick performs in this matchup. So, I mean, if you guys are listening to this on YouTube, make sure that you guys go ahead and check out my podcast, JT Sports Podcast. It's available on all pa- on all podcast platforms spotify 
um, Apple Podcasts. Make sure to go ahead and also leave my podcast a five-star review if you love the channel. And also, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you're listening to this on audio platforms, make sure that you guys, if you haven't already, that you go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports on YouTube. The Denver Broncos are traveling on the road to Pittsburgh to face the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the Steelers are coming off a win versus the New York Giants 26-16, and the Denver Broncos are coming off of a really tough loss against the Tennessee Titans, which they lost 16-14. And for the Denver Broncos last week, I feel like they deserve to lose that game. And the reason why I feel like they deserve to lose that game was because Tennessee basically gift-wrapped that victory to the Broncos. And the Broncos weren't really able to capitalize it because, look, in the NFL, the team that wins the game majority of the time is the team that's able to capitalize off the other team's mistakes. And, I mean, Tennessee missed a lot of field goals in that game. And Denver wasn't able to take advantage of Tennessee's misfortunes. And with Tennessee leaving so many points on the field, you think the Denver Broncos would have been able to capitalize off that. Not only that, but they also had a couple of big plays that weren't able to go their way. Drew Locke overthrew a couple of deep passes that probably could have changed the outcome of the game. And you also had that big drop by Jerry Judy in the middle of the field as well. So for the Denver Broncos, in my opinion, I feel like they deserve to lose that game against the Tennessee Titans. Because when you face the Tennessee Titans, the Titans are a really scrappy football team. Which means that in the fourth quarter with the game on the line, they fight to the very end. It doesn't matter how many things don't go their way. If you cannot close the door on Tennessee, they're going to make you pay. And the Denver Broncos simply were not able to do that. Now, in their defense offensively, they were missing a couple of their big weapons. Cortland Sutton didn't play in that game. And K.J. Hamler also didn't play in that game. But that's still no excuse for the fact that they had several opportunities to win that game. And they simply weren't able to capitalize. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers, on the other hand... They were able to force a lot of turnovers against the New York Giants inside the red zone because Daniel Jones is like an enigma. He has some good plays, but then he comes around, Nick drives, and makes a lot of mistakes. And Pittsburgh was really able to capitalize that. They were getting pressure on him all game, and they shut down Saquon Barkley. Like Saquon Barkley only had six rushing yards in this game on 15 carries. So, I mean, Pittsburgh's defense looks like it could be better than what it was last season. And for the Denver Broncos, with Drew Locke and this young quarterback and this young Denver Broncos offense, the question is going to be, how are they going to fare against this really taunted Pittsburgh Steelers defense that looks like it could surpass Pittsburgh's defense from 2019? So, I mean, if you're Denver, offensively, you have to be able to make sure that you play mistake-free football. Because if you turn the football over against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, the majority of the time, they're going to be able to take advantage of it, and they're going to put their offense in good field position. So if you're the Denver Broncos, Drew Locke has to play pretty much the best game that he's going to play all this season. Because this is a really tough Pittsburgh Steelers defense that he's going to be matched up against. They have a good secondary. They have a good defensive line, good linebackers, good everything. So he has to play mistake-free football. And I think that he really has to carry the load on this Denver Broncos offense. Like this game, depending on how Drew Locke performs in this game, is going to determine if the Denver Broncos win this game or not. 
And also the defense for Denver also has to show up as well because Pittsburgh's offense kind of got out to a slow start in the first half of that game until that two-minute drive, which Big Ben was able to lead the Steelers down to a touchdown. So, I mean, the Steelers' offense in the second half started to click after that two-minute drive. And then from there, pretty much Pittsburgh was able to take control of that game. But a large reason why they won that game wasn't because of Big Ben's performance, but it was because of the defense being able to stop the New York Giants and the Red Zone and creating turnovers. So, I mean, if you're Denver, this may be one of the toughest games that you have to play this entire season. And I mean, this game, I really think that it relies strictly on the shoulders of Drew Locke. How Drew Locke plays in this game is going to determine if the Denver Broncos win this game or not. Now, I mean, Cortland Sutton, he should play in this game. If not, you still have a pretty good amount of weapons. Noah Fant went off against the Tennessee Titans last week. And another thing to watch in this game is going to be Denver's offensive line versus the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense, um, defensive line. Excuse me. Now, Tennessee had a pretty good front seven. But Pittsburgh has one of the best defensive lines and one of the best front sevens in the NFL. So how's this Denver Broncos offensive line going to hold up against the defensive line for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Now, the Steelers offense, I mean, you're going to be facing the Denver Broncos defense that kind of is a little bit of a question mark. Like, I still don't really like their secondary. A.J. Boye isn't going to be playing in this game. So, I mean, I don't really know how I feel about this Denver Broncos defense heading into this game. Now, I know a lot of Broncos fans are going to go down the conversation. They're going to be like, man, we shut down Derrick Henry. I mean, you could say that you shut down Derrick Henry, but, I mean, the Steelers is an offense that can do a lot of things. They're good throwing the football, and they're good running the football as well, and they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So, I mean, for the Denver Broncos to win this game, I think, first of all, they're going to have to get pressure on Big Ben because Big Ben got kind of banged up early on in that game, but he was able to shake it off and still had a really good performance. But I do think that when the Giants were able to get pressure on Big Ben, he kind of struggled a little bit. When Big Ben was throwing from a clean pocket, he could do no wrong. But when it was pressure up in his face and the Giants' defensive line was able to get pressure on him and able to get some hits on him, we saw Big Ben kind of get a little bit timid. So, I mean, for the Broncos, they're going to have to have some kind of pass rush if they want to be able to win this game and for the Pittsburgh Steelers the question is going to be can you protect Big Ben because Big Ben came out a day ago and said that his body was really sore like it felt like he just got out of a car accident even though he didn't get out of a car accident and every part of his body was sore besides of the elbow that he had surgery on last season so I mean if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers I would be a little bit concerned about that if I'm coach Mike Tomlin and I'm officer coordinator Randy Fickner and I would like to try to run the football because the Pittsburgh Steelers had a lot of success running the football against the New York Giants, which I feel like the New York Giants have one of the better run defenses in the NFL. So, I mean, if you're Pittsburgh, you need to hand the ball off to Benny Snell. We don't really know what the status of James Conner is going to be going into this game. Like Mike Tomlin says, there is a pretty good possibility that he does play in this game. But if you're the Steelers, man, I think you need to run the football in this game. And then you need to throw the football when need be because you don't really want to over-rely on Big Ben unless you really have to. Like, the Steelers can win this game running the football that's what they need to do only throw the football if you really can't really have a lot of success um in the run game so i mean the team that i'm taking to win this game i'm going to take pittsburgh to win this game 
Uh, this is going to be a really tough task for Drew Locke, man. And I mean, Drew Locke didn't necessarily play bad against the Tennessee Titans. He just had a couple of plays that really didn't go his way. Like, he had a couple of deep balls that he overthrew. He had that touchdown in the red zone to the tight end. I forgot who, what his name was, but he wasn't able to connect there. So, I mean, for Drew Locke in this game, he has to basically play mistake-free football. And he really can't afford to make a lot of mistakes in this game because every incomplete pass against his Pittsburgh Steelers defense is going to come back to haunt this Denver Broncos off offense and I mean I love Drew Locke a lot I have him on my fantasy football team for every football league that I'm in but I mean I'm not going to start him this week because this is just a incredible defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers have and with Drew Locke being a young quarterback like I just don't trust him to come out here and not make any mistakes in this game so I'm going to have to take Pittsburgh to win this game 27 to 17 is going to be my final score prediction in this game and I like Denver a lot it's just that it's just so many miscues as of right now that haunted them last week in that game versus Tennessee. And, I mean, for them to beat Pittsburgh, you got to play mistake-free football. And, I mean, I just don't think that's going to happen against this great defense that the Steelers possess. So, I'm taking Pittsburgh to win 27 to sign up 17. It's my final score prediction in that matchup. The Dallas Cowboys are going to be at home hosting and visiting Atlanta Falcons. Now, if you are a person and you're a fan of offense, you love seeing a lot of points put up on the scoreboard, this is a game that you're going to have to tune in and watch. Now, if you are a guy who is a fan of seeing defensive football and you love seeing defense and low-scoring affairs, this is probably a game that you probably don't want to watch. You probably want to try to find another game on because I don't think there's going to be a lot of defense in this game. And when you look at the Atlanta Falcons last week, they really let me down, man. Like, I thought the Atlanta Falcons were going to be able to beat the Seattle Seahawks, and it didn't happen. And a large reason for that was because the Atlanta Falcons are basically the same team that I've been watching for the previous two years. I mean, they get down, defense can't get a stop to save their life, and then Matt Ryan and this Atlanta Falcons offense just has to abandon the run game and just throw the football all game to try to get back into the game. Like, they're still the same team. From like the last two seasons that I've been watching. And the sad part about that is that they actually have a pretty good running back in Todd Gurley, who was really impressive last week against the Seattle Seahawks, but he didn't get any more opportunities because after the second half, Atlanta basically just had to throw the football to try to win the football game. And although I do like Matt Ryan, I do like seeing him throw the football to Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. I just feel like the Atlanta Falcons, if they want to have a shot at making it to the playoffs this year, they have to stop being so one-dimensional on, on offense, and they have to be able to have success running the football and being balanced and committed to the run game. So, I mean, if you're Atlanta, I mean, are you going to be able to commit to the run game in this game? Because you're facing the Dallas Cowboys defense that right now, they're kind of banged up in the linebacker position. I mean, Leighton Vander Esch, um, he's going to be out for a couple of months or a couple of weeks, so he's not going to be playing in this game. And you're looking at the Cowboys defense that allowed the L.A. Rams to run wild on them last week. So, I mean, if you're the Atlanta Falcons, I mean, I would like to see the Atlanta Falcons commit to running the football in this game. Like, I love seeing Matt Ryan. I love seeing Julio Jones. I love Calvin Ridley. But I think this is a game that if Atlanta wants to win, they need to run the football with Todd Gurley. Like, for one game, can Atlanta just please commit to running the football? Just please. I would like to see Todd Gurley get 19, 20 carries and see what he can do. 
And not just because I have Todd Gurley on my fantasy football team, but I just feel like a big reason why Atlanta isn't all that successful is because they just get too one-dimensional on offense. And when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys, you can say they got cheated with that offensive pass interference call. Jalen Ramsey deserves an Oscar for, you know, his performance. But, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys still had opportunities to win that game. And when you look at Dallas going into this game, I think Dallas is going to be in a favorable spot facing the Atlanta Falcons defense that really wasn't able to stop Russell Wilson at all. So if you are the Dallas Cowboys, what you have to do to win this game is first, you have to be able to get pressure on Matt Ryan. The Dallas Cowboys defensive line, for some reason, wasn't able to get a lot of pressure on Jared Goff. Like, I don't know if the Dallas Cowboys defensive line just had a bad day or if the L.A. Rams offensive line has reemerged as one of the best offensive lines in the NFL like they were a year ago back in 2018. So, I mean, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you got to try to stop this Atlanta Falcons aerial assault. I mean, you can't even call it an aerial pass attack. You got to call it an aerial assault because when Atlanta throws the football, they throw the football. So, I mean, if you're Dallas, you got to try to limit the big plays in the passing game. And not just for Dallas. Atlanta needs to do this too. Like Atlanta's defense, they gave up a lot of big plays in that game against Seattle. So, the question when it comes to defense in this game is going to be, which team's defense can limit the big plays? And I think that's what it's going to come down to. And can the Falcons defense show up in this game? Because I feel like the Falcons defense was worse than the Dallas Cowboys defense. Like the Dallas Cowboys defense wasn't all that bad last week. It's just the fact that they couldn't stop the run. But Atlanta's defense, they couldn't do anything to stop Russell Wilson. It didn't matter if you try to throw a grape or a fruit at it. You're just going to stop Russell Wilson. So, I mean, if you are the Atlanta Falcons, I mean... On the defense side of football, I think you need to try to stop Ezekiel Elliott, first of all, and then try to create some turnovers or maybe try to get Dallas into third and long situations. So, I mean, I don't really know a good solution to solve Atlanta's problems on defense, but, I mean, if they want to win this game, they're going to have to show some semblance of having a defense on this team because, I mean... I really don't know what to say because I'm just really disappointed in Atlanta's performance on the defense side of the football against Seattle because I feel like they have way too much talent to be this bad as they showed last week against Seattle on defense. So, I mean, if Atlanta wants to win this game, it all starts with stopping Ezekiel Elliott. Then you probably want to get Dallas into some third and long situations and try to go from there. But overall, I think this is a game that's going to come down to which team's defense can limit the big plays and which team's defense can get a big stop or a big turnover to kind of change the momentum of the game and win it. So, I mean, if Atlanta can run the football, and keep Todd Gurley chucking, give him like at least 20 touches in this game, I think that's going to vote well for them. Because they're able to do that, they're going to be able to control the time possession, they're going to be able to keep their defense well-rested on the sideline, which is something that needs to happen because anytime Atlanta's defense is on the field, you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to be able to not really get any stops. And there's two things that's guaranteed in life. Death and Atlanta's defense not getting any stops. And I mean, that's crazy because Dan Quinn's supposed to be a defensive-minded coach, but the defense still hasn't been all that great. So, I mean, if you're Atlanta, you want to run the football, try to keep your defense on the sideline, make sure they're well-rested, keep Dallas' defense on the field, make sure they get tired out, and then from there, you should have a pretty good chance of winning this game. Now, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think it's all that 
quite complicated like the game plan Atlanta needs to execute to win this game. I think for Dallas, the question is going to be how's your secondary going to hold up because your, second, your secondary had a pretty shaky performance against the LA Rams. Although Jared Goff didn't have that great of a stat line, they still did a lot of damage to your secondary in the passing game. And you're facing the Atlanta Falcons team that they love to throw the football. They love to sling the football around. So if you're Dallas, your secondary is going to have to hold up in this game because one thing for sure, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, you don't want to see Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley torching you for a 60-yard bomb from Matt Ryan. So this secondary has to play really good. And if you can stop Atlanta's passing attack, then you pretty much have the game already set in stone and you pretty much have automatic victory because Atlanta is pretty much live by the pass and die by the pass because they don't really try to commit to running the football at all. It seems like anytime they trail from behind, they just have to try to throw the football to get back into, into the game. I can understand if you're trailing by like 14 or 20 points, but if you're only down three or you're only down seven points you know try to run the football but I guess running the football just isn't in Atlanta's DNA so if you're Dallas you need your secondary to hang on in this game you need them to have a good performance and if you're able to stop this passing attack for the Atlanta Falcons then you pretty much have this game set in stone now one thing that Dallas cannot afford to do in this game is give Atlanta the football because you give Atlanta the football they're going to be, they're going to capitalize majority of the time with how good their offense is. So, I mean, if you're Dallas, take a, take care of the football and limit the mistakes because you don't want to see Atlanta's offense getting any more expositions than they need to because this is one of the more explosive offenses in the NFL. And they can make you pay if you give them any more expositions than what they need. So, the team that I'm taking to win this game, I want to take Dallas to win this game. The reason why is because I just, I don't think that Atlanta really is going to be able to win this game because I just don't think this defense is going to be able to stop Dallas offense. And although Dallas defense is a little bit questionable, I do trust their defense more than I trust Dallas than I trust Atlanta's defense, excuse me, because Atlanta's defense just seems like they just can't get it together. Like they got torched by Seattle. They were getting torched last year. They getting torched the year before. I know they had injuries and things like that, but at this point it's getting kind of tiresome. So, I mean, I think that Dak Prescott should have a pretty good performance in this game. I think this is going to be a really high-scoring game. But I wouldn't be surprised if both these two teams end up scoring in the 40s. So, I'm going to take Dallas to win this game. 41-35 to 35 is my final score prediction in this game. Like I said, if you are a fan of offense and you love seeing a lot of points put up on the scoreboard, this is the game to watch because I don't really think either one of these defenses is going to be all that great in this game. But I do think that Dallas defense, if I had to choose a defense that's going to be able to get a key stop or a key turnover at a big moment in this game, it probably would have to be Dallas because of how good they are at getting pressure on the quarterback. And I know Atlanta has some pretty good, good pass rushes as well, but we didn't really get to see a lot of them based on what Russell Wilson did last week to him. So, I mean, I trust Dallas defense be able to get a crucial turnover in this game and being able to win this game for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm taking Dallas 41 to 38 to win this game against Atlanta. The Washington football team are going to be going on the road to face the Arizona Cardinals. Now, this is my game of the week. The Washington football team last week defeated the Philadelphia Eagles 27 to 17, and the Cardinals defeated the 49ers last week 24 to 20. And the reason why this is my game of the week is because these are two of the more interesting teams heading into week two. Because the Washington football team last week had eight sacks against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I mean, I know the Philadelphia Eagles off the line was banged up, 
But golly, man, eight sacks. Like, this defensive line is phenomenal. And I want to see this defensive line and this Washington football team defense go against the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. Because last week, the Arizona Cardinals won that game not only because of DeAndre Hopkins torturing that 49ers secondary, but Kyler Murray. And it wasn't because of Kyler Murray's ability to throw the football while they won that game. They won that game because of Kyler Murray's ability to run the football. And one of the commentators in that game said a really good line in that game. He said that Kyler Murray is not a running quarterback. Kyler Murray is a quarterback that can run. And I really love that quote because a lot of people keep saying that Kyler Murray is just a great running quarterback. He's a good dual threat quarterback. Like, no, Kyler Murray isn't a running quarterback. Kyler Murray is a quarterback that is great throwing the football, that happens to have a really good ability to run the football. And a big reason why Arizona defeated the 49ers was because of his ability to run the football. And I want to see if he's going to be able to keep up his performance against a really stout defensive line for Washington. Because Washington, in my opinion, after last week, they have the best defensive line in the NFL. And I was already telling people before the season began that Washington probably had either the best or the second best defensive line in the NFL. But after last week, my mind is set that they have the best defensive line in the NFL. So I want to see what's going to be the game plan for Arizona in terms of how are they going to handle this defensive line. Because it's not... Normally, you have a defensive line that normally has just two great players that you can just focus on. But everybody on this defensive line is phenomenal. Chase Young had a sack. You had Matt. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. You also have Martez Sweat. I mean, it is a lot of talent on this defensive line that Arizona is going to have to worry about. So, I mean, what their game plan probably is going to be is they're probably going to utilize Kyler Murray's ability to run a football. Because I still don't really believe in this Arizona Cardinals offensive line. Although they did perform pretty solid against the 49ers. But this is a defensive line that had eight sacks last week. So, I mean, we're going to see just how good this Arizona Cardinals offensive line is this week. After the performance last week against the 49ers. Which was pretty good. But now they have to replicate that once again. And back-to-back weeks going against pretty good defensive lines. And for Washington, I want to see how their offense is going to perform in this game against Arizona's defense. Because Arizona's defense was pretty good last week. And I know a lot of you guys might be like, oh, JT, how is it good when Jimmy Garoppolo shredded them apart? He had like two touchdowns and didn't throw any interceptions. Well, if you go back and you actually watch the game and you don't look at the stats, you will know that Jimmy Garoppolo, most of his passes came from throwing it to his halfbacks. So, I mean, those wide receivers weren't really able to do all that much, although San Francisco was kind of already depleted at the wide receiver position. But, I mean, I want to see what Washington's offense going to be able to do against Arizona's defense because you have an Arizona defense that is still looking to prove that it's pretty good and you're having a Washington offense that's still looking to prove itself so you have an offense and a defense that are both looking to prove themselves in this game and when you look at Washington's offense Washington's offense was good enough to win that game I still don't think that that offense played all that well and I know a lot of Washington football fans are going to come in here and be like oh man Dwayne Hassan's played great like no he didn't Dwayne Hassan's played okay, and there's no way you can tell me that Dwayne Hassan's had a good game because in the first half, he was trending on Twitter. A lot of people were already calling Dwayne Haskins a bust after his first half performance last week against Philadelphia. Everybody was saying that he needs to get benched. They want to see Alex Smith or they want to see Kyle Allen play. So don't come on here feeding me that bull crap that Dwayne Haskins played great. He played good enough to win the game. So, I mean, 
this Washington football team offense last week wasn't all that great. Like, the defense was a big reason why they won the game because they put them in good field position. All they just had to do was, you know, drive like a few yards down the field and score a touchdown. So, I mean, the offense still has a lot to prove to me. They weren't really all that great throwing the football, and they weren't really all that great running the football neither. So, I mean, you got Arizona's defense on the other hand. They played well, but, I mean, they played a 49er team that really didn't really have all that many weapons in the passing game. Raheem Moser was pretty much their best wide receiver in that game. He wasn't even a receiver. He was a halfback. So, I mean, I want to see what Arizona is going to do. I want to see how is Arizona going to be able to start Terry McLaurin. And Terry McLaurin didn't really have the game that I expected him to have against Philadelphia, although he was Washington's leading receiver. But, I mean, I think Dwayne Haskins has to have a better game this week against Arizona's defense than how he performed against Philadelphia. So, I mean, this is going to be a really intriguing matchup. I mean, you got Kyler Murray and this Arizona Cardinals offense going against one of the best, if not the best, defensive line in the NFL in Washington. A defense that, once again, I have to restate this, had eight sacks on Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't care if Philadelphia's offensive line was banged up. Eight sacks is really hard to come by. You don't really see a lot of teams getting eight sacks. Like, the speed and athleticism of this Washington football team deep to the line is going to be interesting to watch, which is why this is my game of the week because you got Kyler Murray, who although Kyler Murray is a really good quarterback and he, he's really good at throwing the football, he's really good at running the football as well. When he goes to run the football in this game, you're going to have a really athletic defensive line. Like, you're going to have to worry about Chase Young. You're going to have to worry about the guys who they have on the edge who are going to be able to match Kyler Murray's speed coming off the edge, especially Chase Young. So, I mean, the speed of Washington's defensive line and the speed of Arizona's offense is what makes this game my game of the week. And I know this may not be a fancy pick for the majority of you guys. A lot of you guys are probably going to be like, man, this is really your game of the week, really? Yes, it is, because it's just so interesting watching this Arizona Cardinals offense taking on this defensive line and this defense for Washington. Also, how is Washington's secondary going to be able to handle DeAndre Hopkins? Because Washington secondary did kind of struggle last week against Philadelphia because Jalen Rager went off, okay? So let's not act like Washington's secondary played well. Like, their secondary played okay, but their secondary did have a couple of big plays that they gave up in that game. So, I mean, the team I'm going to take to win this game. Huh, this is going to be tough, man. This is going to be really tough. Oh, man. I'm going to take Washington. And I know Washington may be the more unpopular pick to win this game. But, I mean, defense wins championships. And I trust Washington's defense to win this game. But I don't trust their offense. I don't have a lot of faith in Dwayne Haskins and things like that. But I do trust their defense. Like, I think their defense is going to be able to create some turnovers and put their offense into good field positions and good spots where they're going to be able to put some points on the board. So, this is a game that can go either way, but I'm going to take Washington with the upset. Because I know a lot of people are really high on Arizona's bandwagon right now because of their performance against the 49ers. But I really like Washington's defense, man. And I mean, it's just really hard for me to go against what that defense did last week. And I know it's a new week and things like that, but I mean, this is one of the best defense lines and not the best defense line in the NFL. And I really don't trust Arizona's offensive line. Like, 
the reason why they won that game was because of Kyler Murray's ability to run the football. Well, now you have a deep to line with guys like Chase Young and guys like Montez Sweat who are just as fast as Kyler Murray. I don't know if a lot of you guys realize this, but Chase Young, I forgot what he ran at the NFL combine, but Montez Sweat ran like a 4-5 or something like that, or like a 4-6. So, I mean, you have guys on the edge that are just as fast as Kyler Murray. So, I mean... I got to take Washington to win this game. I think this is going to be a pretty low-scoring game, in my opinion. I'm going to take Washington to win this game. 20-17 to 17 is going to be my final score prediction in this game. And like I said, this is a game that can go either way. I know a lot of Arizona fans and a lot of people are probably going to be like, man, you're stupid for choosing Washington to win this game. Like Their offense isn't great. And I know Washington's offense isn't great. But I just think that, you know what they say, the best offense is a good defense. And Washington's defense is going to be able to put this offense in spots to succeed. So I got to tell you, Washington to win this game, man. Like, I am a fan of defense. And the best defense is a great – well, the best offense is a great defense. So I want to see if that holds true. I want to tell you, Washington to win this game. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona wins the game because this is kind of like a bit of a reach, or some people would call it, of a prediction. But I really have a lot of confidence in Washington's defense and their defensive line to be able to stop – this Arizona Cardinals offense and to put this offense by creating turnovers in good field position to score points to be able to win this game. So I'm taking Washington to win 2017 into my final score prediction in this game. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going on the road to face the Tennessee Titans. Now the Jaguars had the upset of the week last week when they defeated the Indianapolis Colts 27 to 20. And the Tennessee Titans are coming off of a victory Monday night against the Devil Broncos and a really close victory. They won that game 16-14. And when you look at the Tennessee Titans, I mean, that is the game that they really should have lost. But the reason why they were able to still somehow get the victory was because their defense played really good. Because Denver's offense was not able to capitalize on Tennessee's mistakes. And when you look at the Jaguars, that defense against the Colts played really well. Now, in the first half, they kind of struggled because the Colts had a lot of success moving the football on them. But after that, in the second half, this defense played really well. Like, late in the third quarter, all throughout the fourth quarter, like, they really locked in and shut down the Indianapolis Colts. And they forced Phillip Rivers to pretty much unravel because he pretty much had a lot of mistakes. And the Jacksonville Jaguars made a lot of big plays. And, I mean, C.J. Henderson, the rookie cornerback out of the University of Florida had a really good game in his NFL debut. Now, for the Jaguars in this game, my concern about their defense going against the Titans is going to be, can they stop the run? Because Indianapolis had a lot of success running the football on that Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Now, I don't know if the Jacksonville Jaguars defense just isn't good against the run or if the Colts just had a very good offensive line and their offensive line was the reason of why they had so much success moving the football because the Colts, in my opinion, do have the best offensive line in the NFL as of right now. So the Jacksonville Jaguars, if they want to win this game, we already know it's been stated so many times when you face the times, you have to be able to stop Derrick Henry. Now, for some reason, people like to say that Derrick Henry got shut down against the Denver Broncos for some reason, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because he still had a pretty nice game. But a lot of people want to be like, oh, JT, look how many carries he had, okay? I mean, he still had a pretty nice game. And for the Jaguars to win this game, 
you have to be able to make the big plays with the game of the line because anytime you play Tennessee, the way Tennessee likes to win football games is like they like to kind of, you know, take care of the football and let the game be closed going into the fourth quarter. So if you want to beat Tennessee, you have to be able to make big plays in the fourth quarter, which is going to be interesting to watch because the Jacksonville Jaguars last week had some really big plays in the fourth quarter. That was a big reason why they won that game against the Indianapolis Colts. So, I mean, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're going to have to have a really good fourth quarter again this week if you want to be able to capitalize and beat the Tennessee Titans this week. And the Jacksonville Jaguars offense played really well against the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, their offense, Gordon Minshew, was 19 to 20, 173 passing yards and three touchdowns. This dude had more touchdowns than he had incompletions. It was like he was playing a game of Madden. And they also had a lot of success running the football with rookie halfback James Robinson. So, I mean, if you're the Jaguars, you're looking at a Tennessee Titans secondary that is kind of beat up right now. Adore Jackson is going to be playing in this game. So, I mean, this secondary for Tennessee is kind of questionable. And you have a really good group of wide receivers in DJ Chark and D.D. Westbrook. And also rookie wide receiver out of Colorado, LaVisco Chenault. So, I mean, if you're the Titans, man, I mean, you got to figure out a way to stop this pass attack for Jacksonville. And Jacksonville, they don't throw the football all over the field. Like, they're not throwing 60, 50-yard bombs and things like that. Like, most of the time, they're throwing a lot of things underneath, and their wide receivers are making plays happen with the ball in their hands. So, I mean, if you're the Tennessee Titans, your secondary is going to have their work cut out for them in this game. Now, can Jacksonville's off the line stop this defensive line for Tennessee because Tennessee has a really good defensive line. You have Jadavion Klein who had a pretty good game against Denver. You're going to have Harold Landry playing in this game. Then you're going to have one of my favorite players in the NFL that nobody talks about going into year two is going to be Jeffrey Simmons. Now, for those of you guys who are Jacksonville Jaguar fans and you don't know who Jeffrey Simmons is, you're going to figure out who he is at the end of this game. Jeffrey Simmons is Ndonkin Sue reincarnated. And I'm in bragging about Jeffrey Simmons all this offseason. I mean, last year he only played half the season as a rookie. And in the playoffs, he was a large reason why the Tennessee Titans were able to defeat the Baltimore Ravens in the divisional round. And he had a really good game against the Denver Broncos last week on Monday Night Football. So if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think you're going to have to find out a way to stop this um, Tennessee Titans defensive line with Vic Beasley, with Harold Landry, um... We still don't really know if Vic Beasley's going to play in this game or not. Don't really know. I weren't. I wasn't able to find an injury report about who was questionable, or who was, you know, a full participant in practice and things like that. But I mean, the Titans have a pretty good defensive line. So if you're Jacksonville, you're going to have to get the ball out fairly quickly, which is something that they did against the Indianapolis Colts last week, which was a big reason why Gardner Minshew was so efficient. Now, if this secondary for Tennessee isn't able to stop this passing attack for Jacksonville, it's going to be a long game. Because Jacksonville's offense really is like a West Coast-oriented offense, which they like to throw the football underneath, and then they like to run the football to set up the passing game. So, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you got to be able to stop the run game for Jacksonville because this Jacksonville, Jackson, this Jacksonville Jaguars offense is predicated off running the football to establish the passing game. And then if you're Jacksonville, you got to be able to stop Derrick Henry. Because we already know the key to victory most of the time to stopping this Titans offense is stopping Derrick Henry. And I mean, when you look at how Tennessee wins games, a lot of their games are really close and they all come down to 
making things happen in the fourth quarter. So if you're the Jaguars, you got to have another good fourth quarter like you did last week against the Colts, and you got to be able to win this game against Tennessee based on making big plays in the fourth quarter and getting big stops on defense in the fourth because the majority of the times, Tennessee wins games based on having great fourth quarters. Like the first three quarters, you know, it's kind of like a boxing match when you face Tennessee. You're going back and forth. You're trying to deliver the knockout blow. Then out of nowhere, Tennessee comes and they just give you a flat. KO. So if you're Jacksonville, you got to be able to stop Tennessee in the fourth quarter because that is how Tennessee wins games. And I mean, for Tennessee, um, are you going to have a better performance kicking the football this week than you did last week? Because if you're missing like four or five field goals in this game against Jacksonville Jaguars, I think they're going to make you pay. So I mean, for Tennessee, how's the field goal kicking going to be? Because they really should have lost that game versus Denver. But the reason why they were able to sneak out with that victory was because Denver's offense wasn't able to capitalize off of Tennessee's mistakes. But you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars' offense, this is an offense that can make you pay if you turn over the football like they did last week against the Colts. So, I mean, the team I'm going to take to win this game, I got to take the Jacksonville Jaguars to win this game. Uh, Denver really should have won that game versus Tennessee. I'm not really all that encouraged by Tennessee's performance against Denver last week. I still have, like, my concerns about this Tennessee Titans team. And, I mean, maybe it was just first week jitters. But, I mean, the Jaguars looked more composed in that game against the Indianapolis Colts. And I have a little bit more confidence in them winning this game than I do with the Tennessee Titans. And this is going to be a game that's going to be fairly close. It's all going to come down to... Who makes the big plays in the full quarter with the game on the line? And that's what really matters in this game. And I really trust Gardner Minshew. Like, I was never a guy who felt like Gardner Minshew was bad or he should have gotten replaced or anything like that. I have a lot of confidence in Gardner Minshew. I have a lot of confidence in this Jacksonville Jaguars offense. And I hope they don't let me down because this still may be an upset because I still don't think a lot of people believe in the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think a lot of people are going into this game believing that that win against the Indianapolis Colts was a fluke and if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars you're looking to prove a lot of people wrong so I'm going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars to win this game 21 to 20 is going to be my final score prediction in this game because this is a game that could go either way but I mean when you look at the style and the brand of football that Tennessee plays it's all going to come down to can Jacksonville make the big plays when it matters the most and Josh Lambeau Josh Lambeau is one of the best kickers in the NFL so I mean I gotta take Jacksonville to win this game taking them to win 21 to 20 is gonna be my final score prediction in this game because I just don't have a lot of confidence in Denver like I know it was week one everybody's still trying to get back into the flow of football because everybody hasn't played football like the last seven eight months but at the end of the day I mean that performance against Denver I feel like Tennessee really could have performed a little bit better in that game than what happened. So, I mean, I got to take Jacksonville. I just have a little bit more faith in Jacksonville to win this game because last week they were really good. They were really impressive against the Indianapolis Colts team that a lot of people feel could be a dark horse Super Bowl contender. So, I mean, I got to take Jacksonville to pull off the upset here. Back-to-back weeks with another upset is what I'm predicting. So, give me Jacksonville 21-20. The New England Patriots are going on the road to face the Seattle Seahawks this Sunday on Sunday Night Football. And let me start out by praising the man upstairs for finally not having to make me sit through and watch the Dallas Cowboys play on Sunday Night Football. Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing the Dallas Cowboys constantly shoved down my throat 
and these primetime matchups. I don't want to constantly be seeing the Dallas Cowboys play in Fox America's Game of the Week, and I don't always want to watch the Dallas Cowboys play on Sunday Night Football. Like, every time the Dallas Cowboys play on Sunday Night Football, I fall asleep, or I just don't watch the game at all because I'm not all that interested in watching the Dallas Cowboys. Like, they get shoved down my throat so much that I just get tired of watching Dallas Cowboys. Like, it seems like the NFL wants me to hate the Dallas Cowboys. And I don't hate the Dallas Cowboys, but it just seems like the NFL wants me to because they just keep shoving Dallas down our throats in these primetime matchups. So it is a breath of fresh air to finally see another team on Sunday Night Football other than the Dallas Cowboys. Now the Patriots are coming off of a win versus the Miami Dolphins 21-11, and the Seattle Seahawks are coming off a win versus the Atlanta Falcons 38-25. Now the New England Patriots... It is this retarded double standard that is in the NFL that everybody keeps using against New England Patriots. So the New England Patriots beat the Miami Dolphins, and everybody keeps saying, oh, JT is just the Dolphins, right? But the Cleveland Browns get blown out by the Baltimore Ravens, and everybody is on the Baltimore Ravens' coattails talking about how great the Ravens are. But the New England Patriots can't get no credit for beating the Miami Dolphins. But the Ravens get all this praise in the world for beating the Cleveland Browns? That doesn't make any sense to me. It is a dumb double standard in the NFL. And when you look at the Patriots, that Miami Dolphins team they faced wasn't no slouch. Like the offense, okay, the offense wasn't great for the Dolphins, but the Dolphins have a really good defense. I think the Miami Dolphins could have a top 10 defense this season. So the Patriots didn't just beat the Dolphins. They beat a pretty good Miami Dolphins defense. So you look at what they were able to do running the football with Cam Newton and the halfbacks that they had on their roster. It's going to be really interesting to see what Seattle's game plan is going to be on the defensive side of the football when it comes to stopping this New England Patriots rushing attack. Because Cam Newton looked really good last week against the Miami Dolphins. Even if it is the Dolphins and nobody wants to give him props for his performance, he played really well. He made smart decisions with the football. He was accurate. And the New England Patriots find ways to utilize what he's able to do best, which is utilizing his legs and his athleticism. So you look at Seattle coming off that win versus the Atlanta Falcons, they look really impressive in that game in their own right because they basically dominated the Atlanta Falcons, although they did give up 450 passing yards, but we're just not going to talk about that right now. But the for the most part, the Seattle Seahawks going into this game, a lot of people aren't giving the New England Patriots a fair shot at winning this game. And I think that's unfair to New England Patriots. And if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, there is one team that you never want to underestimate, and that is the New England Patriots. You want to know why? Because they have the Sith Lord that is Bill Belichick. You see, a lot of people are going to come into this game. They're going to say the Seahawks are going to win because of talent, but they're not going to go deep into it. They're just going to say the Seahawks win this game because they're a more talented team, blah, 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 blah. But nobody's going to give the Patriots a chance. Everybody's just going to say the Patriots don't have a chance because they don't have the time Seattle has. And that's where you're wrong. The Patriots do have a good chance winning this game because they have Bill Belichick. Coaching in the NFL matters. And I say this so many times, I'm going to say it again. If you don't have a good coach, you're not going to win a lot of games in the NFL. So the fact that people are really counting out the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick in this game is really beyond me. Because if there's anybody who could go on the road in Seattle, fans or no fans, and pull off this upset, it's Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. So, you look at Seattle, Jamar Adams, 
I mean, they utilized him everywhere. I mean, not only was he playing safety, but he was also creeping down. And they really used him a lot coming off the edge to blitz. So I think he's going to have a pretty significant role in terms of Seattle trying to stop this New England Patriots rushing attack. Because when you look at this Patriots rushing attack, I mean, it's not nothing complex or anything like that. They're either running design quarterback runs with Cam Newton. It's probably going to be some RPOs thrown in this game. Probably going to be some read options in this game. So if Seattle is going to try to stop this rushing attack, I think Jamal Adams is going to play a big part. I think we're going to see a lot of Jamal Adams being utilized near the line of scrimmage in this game to kind of try to stop that New England Patriots rushing attack with his speed and his athleticism. So you look at New England, the game plan is always going to be not how can you stop Russell Wilson, but how can you contain Russell Wilson? And it was a hashtag that went trending on Twitter that said, let Russ cook. Basically, Saddle's letting Russell Wilson cook. I mean, he did a really good job against the Atlanta Falcons defense that wasn't good at all. So Seattle, although they did look impressive on the road against the Atlanta Falcons, they're going to get tested in this game just like how the Patriots are going to get tested in this game. Because if you're Seattle, you're not going to be facing the Atlanta Falcons secondary that's going to let you do whatever you want. You're going to be facing one of the best secondaries, if not the best secondary in the NFL with the New England Patriots. So, I mean, Seattle... They're going to have the work cut out for them in this game. I don't think Seattle's just going to come in here on cruise control and just dominate the New England Patriots. Like, I think there's going to be a hard-fought victory on both sides. And I think when you look at Russell Wilson in this game, there's going to be a really good test because you have a young wide receiver in DK Metcalf. You got Tyler Lockett. How are you going to do against one of the more experienced secondaries in the NFL that may not have youth on their sides, but they have a lot of experience on their side? So... When you look at this game, I mean, like I said earlier, it's easy to write off the New England Patriots, but the New England Patriots have a better shot than a lot of people think of winning this game. And I mean, if you're Seattle, you have to force New England to beat you throwing the football. And even then, I think that Cam Newton is more than capable of putting up a really good stat line against the Seattle Seahawks secondary. Because, remind you, this was a Seattle Seahawks secondary that allowed 450 passing yards to the Atlanta Falcons. I don't care how talented of a wide receiver group the Atlanta Falcons have. This Seattle Seahawks secondary is supposed to be one of the best secondaries in the NFL. And, therefore, they shouldn't have been allowing 450 passing yards to the Atlanta Falcons. So, you're looking at Cam Newton. And, although the Patriots don't have the most talented wide receivers in the world, I still think they have a good enough wide receiving core that Cam Newton can do some damage in the pass game against the Seattle Seahawks secondary. I don't care what Seattle Seahawks fan tries to come down in the secondary and or tries to come down in the comment section down below and tries to talk down on the New England Patriots passing game like they don't have the time to do so because, I mean, you allow nearly 500 passing yards to the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, I'm looking at a Seattle, a Seattle Seahawks secondary that isn't looking all that impressive to me in terms of the expectations going in for how good the secondary was supposed to be this season. So the team I'm taking to win this game, this is really tough, man. I'm going to have to take Seattle to win this game. And, I mean, I don't really like betting against teams that have good coaching staffs. But, I mean, Pete Carroll is a good coach in his own right. He has a pretty good team. Russell Wilson looks like he can do no wrong right now. And, I mean, Seattle, I mean, at this point, how good will this defensive line be? I mean, this defensive line isn't great against the pass, but they are really good against the run. 
And you look at the New England Patriots, I still question, can they really get it done in the passing game? Because the New England Patriots, how they want to win games is by running the football and relying on your defense, which means you're going to be in a lot of close games. And I mean, eventually, you're going to have to be able to score more than 21 points if you want to be able to beat Seattle. I don't care how great of a defense you have, you still have to be able to score some points on the offense. So for me... I question New England's offense. And I mean, they played a really good Miami Dolphins defense. But I mean, even then, Miami's offense wasn't able to score, which also helped out the New England Patriots a lot. And with the Patriots facing a better offense, which on top of that, having a pretty good defense, I just don't really think they could win this game. Now, they do have a chance winning this game. I think they have a better chance than a lot of people are giving them credit for. But I'm going to take Seattle to win this game. I think Seattle wins this game. Uh, 24, no, I think Seattle wins this game, 20 to 17 is my final score prediction in this game, I think this game is going to be really close, and I mean, Bill Belichick is going to have a game plan, he's going to come out with a way to try to stop Seattle's offense, he's going to try to find a way to neutralize Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and try to slow down Chris Carson, who had a really good game last week against the Atlanta Falcons, especially in the passing game, so I mean, I trust New England's coaching staff, but even though you can have a great coaching staff, you still have to have the talent set in place if you want to be the team like Seattle, and I just don't really think the New England Patriots are quite right there yet in terms of talent to be able to beat Seattle. Like, you have two great coaches, but at the end of the day, when you have two great coaches who are really good and game planning and getting their teams ready to play, it all comes down to who's able to execute more. And I think that Seattle's going to be able to execute more because they have Russell Wilson on their team and they have a really good roster. And like I said, the NFL isn't a game that's all always dictated by talent I don't want to sound like a walking contradiction I'm just saying that you can't overlook the impact that having a good coach means to a team so I mean Bill Belichick may be the better coach in this game but overall I think that Seattle just is going to be too much for the New England Patriots to handle and that's why I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks to win this game the Indianapolis Colts are going to be at home hosting the visiting Minnesota Vikings now, the Vikings are coming off a loss to the Green Bay Packers, 43-34. to And the Indianapolis Colts are coming off a loss versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, 27-20. to And for the Colts, man, I mean, I hate putting the blame on one player in particular. But, I mean, Phillip Rivers deserves 85% of the blame for why the Colts lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because, I mean, he did not play... Good. I mean, he was turning the football over. He was making mistakes. And I mean, look, the Colts were moving the ball down the field at the start of the game. And then in the second half, like, it just seemed like Phillip Rivers kind of fell apart. And I mean, we saw the exact same Phillip Rivers last year and the game versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, just mistakes, man. And I mean, these were like mistakes like he would just stared down the wide receiver, threw it right to a guy. I mean, like, these were just really bad mistakes on Phillip Rivers' part. And it was a big reason why the Jacksonville Jaguars got the victory, the upset victory over the Indianapolis Colts. And everybody who watches football knows that the biggest way for your team to get upset it is by turning the football over. That is the number one key to an upset not taking care of the football, and that's why the Colts 
lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, 85% of the reason why they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the second reason why they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars was because this secondary could not start Garner Minshew for nothing. It's like Garner Minshew was playing Madden out there. Garner Minshew was 19 to 20. Yes, you heard that correctly. 19 to 20. He only threw one incompletion. He threw more touchdowns than he threw incompletions. Three touchdowns for 173 passing yards. And I mean, this is something that we don't see quite often. We never see a quarterback only throw one incompletion. I mean, this is like Madden-like, Madden-like numbers Garden Minshew put up against this Colts secondary. And I don't care if he was just throwing dink and dunk passes and things like that. Like, this Colts secondary could have did a lot better than allowing Garden Minshew only throwing one incompletion. Like, it's no excuse for that. No excuse at all. I mean, this coach secondary, I know that I already knew this coach secondary was kind of shaky, but I didn't know it was going to be this rough to the fact that they would let Gardner Minshew throw only one incompletion. And this doesn't take anything away from Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, I feel, is the quarterback of the future for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was never on the tank for Trevor Lawrence t- train. Okay, now that I believe the Jacksonville Jaguars were tanking, yes, I did, but I never believed they were going to tank for Trevor Lawrence because I always had confidence in Gardner Minshew. So, I mean, this coach team, man, I mean, you got Phillip Rivers who needs to clean up the turnovers. Like, if Phillip Rivers can clean up the turnovers, I think the coach would be in really good shape. Then the defense, I mean, the secondary wasn't great, but the defensive line was. So, I mean, the Minnesota Vikings, on the other hand, you pretty much can say that they had the same issues that the Colts had because, like the Colts, their secondary got shredded up here last week versus the Green Bay Packers. I mean, that secondary had no answers for Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers last week played like he was a man with something to prove. You can see it in his eyes. You can see it when they did a little sideline cut to Aaron Rodgers on the sideline. I mean, he looked like he had something to prove. You can see it in his eyes. I mean, you can just see it by how the football is coming out. Aaron Rodgers played like a man on the mission. He played like he was possessed. And for the Minnesota Vikings, the defense got carved up. And you still don't have Daniel Hunter, who's not going to be playing in this game. He's not going to be back for another couple of weeks. So, I mean, for the Vikings, that secondary got shredded apart by the Green Bay Packers last week. Now, the offense, the offense started out kind of slow. But it started to pick up steam later on in the game. Now, here's my thing about that. Okay, now I know a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans are going to be like, oh, I'm not worried about the offense. You saw offense got rolling in the fourth quarter versus the Packers. Yes, it did, but here's my thing. Did your offense really get rolling, or did the Green Bay Packers take their foot off the pedal? That's a question that you have to ask yourself. But, I mean, I still think this offense is going to be in good shape. I mean, Kirk Cousins should have a really nice day against this Indianapolis Colts secondary because that Colts secondary had no issues when it came to allowing Gardner Minshew doing whatever he wanted to. So I don't think that Kirk Cousins should have all that much problems throwing the football against his coach secondary. Then you also got Dalvin Cook, who had a really nice game as well against the Green Bay Packers. It's a shame that we didn't get to see more of him. We only got to saw him when Green Bay um, allowed the Vikings to enter the red zone. But, I mean, we're probably going to see a little bit more of Dalvin Cook in this game. But, I mean, in this game, it's really going to come down to which team secondary is going to perform well? Like, it seems like there are a lot of teams in the NFL this year that have secondary problems. And, I mean, the Vikings and the Colts are at the forefront of those teams. Like, I don't, like, for the life of me, 
how do you allow a quarterback to throw more touchdowns than incompletions? Like, that is Madden-like numbers to me. Like, I don't understand that. I don't care if Gardner Mitchell was digging and dunking his way. Like, it's no way that should have happened. So, I mean, when you look at the Vikings, without Daniel Hunter, you're going to have to be able to get pressure on Phillip Rivers because the Indianapolis Colts off the line, they dominated Jacksonville up front. That off the line was really good. So, I mean, if you're the Colts, I mean, you got to run the football. You got to impose your will on this Minnesota Vikings defense. And Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines are going to be your two primary backs. Naeem Hines looked really good against Jacksonville Jaguars. So if you're the coach, you got to be able to run the football. And you should have no problem doing that because you have a really good offensive line. Your offensive line pushed around Jacksonville. Now, although Minnesota does have a better defense in Jacksonville from a time perspective, you still really shouldn't have all that much issues when it comes to running the football so i think if you're the indianapolis coach you need to run the football and not only is running the football going to help you in the long run because it's going to help you control time possession control the clock but it's also going to make sure that you don't have to rely on philip rivers to throw the football as many times as he did against jasper jaguars because with philip rivers this is a guy who is good but you want to make sure that he has to throw the ball as least as times as possible or as minimum times as possible because if Phillip Rivers has to throw the football too many times, he's going to make some mistakes. So if you're the Indianapolis coach, you only want Phillip Rivers to throw the ball at least 25 max per game. So I think it's really imperative that the Indianapolis coach get the run game going against Minnesota. And for Minnesota, I mean, this offense, this thing, if the offense plays out how he did in the second half against the Green Bay Packers, then they should pretty much light up this Indianapolis Colts defense because, I mean, up front with DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston, they have a pretty good defensive line. But aside from that, that secondary is really concerning me, man. So the team I'm going to take to win this game, this is a tough one, man, because anytime you do this, you're going to end up choosing a team that's going to end up going 0-2. So, I mean, I'm going to have to take the... Uh, this is tough. I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts to win this game. And the reason why I'm going to take the Colts to win this game is for the fact that although the Colts lost, I mean, a lot of the reasons why they lost were more because of Phillip Rivers not taking care of the football. Like, turnovers are an easy thing to take care of. Like, just hold on to the football. That's it. That's all you got to do. So, I mean, the Indianapolis Colts, all they have to do is be able to take care of the football because they have a great off the line. Like, they're moving the ball on Jacksonville. They had no problem moving the ball on Jacksonville. The thing was that Phillip Rivers just kept on turning the football over too much. So, if Phillip Rivers can't hang on to the football, the Colts are in pretty good shape, although their secondary is going to get exposed in this game. And for Minnesota, they have a good chance of winning this game too, which is why I had a hard time making the prediction of who is going to win this game. This is a coin flip. Really, you could flip a coin and choose a team who's going to win this game because both of these two teams are pretty evenly matched, in my opinion. So, I mean, I'm going to take the Colts to win this game. The Colts, I mean, I think the Colts pretty much beat themselves, really, because of the turnovers. If it wasn't for the turnovers, they probably would have won that game. So, I got to take the Colts to win this game. I think they win this game 28-24 to 24 is my final score prediction in this game.